This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game hey welcome everybody to under the dome with cd right here on acadiana sports station 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great one on this Saturday afternoon. Of course, we are coming to you live as per the use from the beautiful palatial First South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! Oh, we got the buttons back. That means we got the swagger back on this show. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. Make it a good one. Make it a great one, I'd say. And appreciate you listening in, however you're doing. So be it through the old school FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. That they're free mobile app, smart speakers, Amazon Echoes. Make sure you update your Alexa skill to tell your smart speaker to play 103.7 The Game. Make sure you tell it that, the Google Home. All kinds of great ways to listen to us. For free, 1037thegame.com is another place to do so. Like hopefully you have a good one so far. And more importantly, you know, appreciate you. However, you're spending your Saturday if you're drinking that second cup of coffee or maybe popping that first top on a Saturday. More power to you. No Mardi Gras parades this year, so might as well enjoy it some way, somehow, and enjoy your weekend the right way and enjoy it responsibly. And, of course, this is Acadiana's number one sports station. If that's number one sports station, what does it mean about this show, then? That i got to be the best of them all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at, woo, the greatest, the best-looking man, the best-dressed man, long limousines, jet airplanes, custom-made clothes. And hopefully you have it a great Good old Louisiana Saturday morning, and it's definitely a good one because we got so much to get to. We're leading you up to LSU taking on Texas Tech as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge, where it really just means more, and this town ain't big enough for the two of them, and it's definitely going to be a fun matchup. But when it comes down to it, that's small talk compared to what everybody else has been talking about over the last 24 to 48 hours. Or should I say for the last several weeks, I've talked about it. But now it's time to get down to brass tacks because we finally have all the pieces together. All the stones have been assembled and put into Coach O'Draw's Infinity Gauntlet. And it's time to talk about what's causing all this with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. This 
is going to sound like a stretch considering how far LSU fell last season when you just look at everything that happened, all the opt-outs and all, all the other stuff that's happened with this team since winning the national championship to end the 2019 college football season. We sit here and we thought things were at their worst. People, the stock of LSU was extremely low. Nobody gave them a shot in Hades in terms of being able to get things done after everything that happened with Bo Pelini. Now they've, they've counted them out. The analysts are going to continue to try and say, hey, you know, this team is going to struggle in 2020. In 2021, I should say. I'm trying to get used to saying that still. Almost a month later. That being said, I feel like they're undervaluing LSU in 2021. Why do I say that? Because I think the fact that you had all those opt-outs, you had all the injuries, you had all the stuff you had to deal with throughout the 2021, 2020 season, excuse me, that makes me really confident in what the future holds for the LSU Tigers. I'm not saying 12-0, I'm not saying 10-2. I'm saying maybe temper those expectations, and I think the ceiling for LSU this year, in my heart of hearts, is 9-3. And those three losses will all come in SEC play. I think Florida, I think A&M, and Alabama, in my mind right now, are your three losses. A&M showed us, hey, you know, they are here, and they could very well be sustained with Jimbo Fisher. Now, we'll see what happens there. Alabama, obviously, is Alabama. We just know that. the Brown, it's, like, it's like the Browns is the Browns. Only difference is that it's Alabama. They're Alabama. And they can absolutely do something day in and day out that is unlike any other. So trust me when I say this. LSU is a lot like GameStop right now. And if you've been paying attention to the news over the last week, you've heard a lot about GameStop. A year ago, that stock was at about $4 a share. Fast forward to now, that stock's well over $300. Yes, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on in terms of regulation. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about... The fact that LSU on the football field this year, their stock's going to rise, and everybody's going to start taking them a little bit more seriously. I think LSU can be a 9-3, and 8-14. And Ed Ogeron's able to keep his job. He's able to keep this ship afloat. I hope he can do that. And I think he has all the guys that he wants in there. Yes, he missed out on a couple guys. He whiffed on a few. But here's the thing. It's not about how many knows in, in the business of selling. In terms of the business of making money and getting people to sign on and be part of your product. It's about how many yeses you get. It's all about that one yes. And sure, Marcus Freeman may may have been a big miss, but we will see how things work out with Notre Dame. Mind you, maybe Notre Dame won't be as notable now that they're back in their own little cubbyhole that is the independent. I think I'm going to say it right now. LSU 9-4 and four is that ceiling. That's where I'm at right here, right now. And they could very well be a contender for the SEC West. The only problem is you've got a really tough West division next year in my mind. You've always got Alabama front of mind. Who's to say that this year the fact you're going to be in T-Town in the last few years, LSU has been able to make it more of a ball game over in Tuscaloosa and Brian Denny. 
as opposed to in Tiger Stadium. Thankfully, they finally scored inside their own home field against Bama, but I think they can wind up having a better chance of slaying the beast again next season because I don't know who they have at quarterback, but I know they have a lot of talent that's going to be coming back in 2021. A&M and Florida, they're going to continue to be the contenders that could be the ones to also try and dethrone dethrone Alabama, whoever's coming out of the West. This is where we're at. I can tell you right now, LSU is going to be a team to watch for a lot of different reasons. Namely, the fact that they have every ability to have these returning stars back. You've got guys that are they're going to be bought into Jake Peets, DJ Mangus. You basically have overhauled the entire coaching staff, and it's worked out. I think it's worked out really well. He's Durante Jones has NFL experience. I feel like the thing that Ed Ogeron has now, it's not the yes men. It's not. That's not a bad thing at all. I'm not saying you know having yes men is a good thing or a bad thing, but I think there's reason to believe that if you have a bunch of yes men around you. Not telling you, hey, you know, you need to kind of change a few things here and there. Here's what we're going to do. You need to have guys that you trust to do their job to the best of their ability as opposed to trying to lead everybody in this one direction and and be the leader of, be the CEO of this team. You know, there's something I've always thought about when it comes to handling major tasks and major projects. And this is a major project for LSU in 2021, being able to get back to Eight and four, nine and three levels. Ten and two would be great, but I feel like they're they're a step behind this year. This will be a lot like that year before LSU won the Natty. They've got a lot of pieces together. They've got Max Johnson. I think he could be the starter for this team if Miles Brennan isn't one hundred percent. It was to say he's going to be. It's a very complicated injury. In my mind, LSU has a chance to be towards that top tier again in the SEC. Because I would be surprised if we see a sophomore, if we see things dip down with teams like Mississippi State, teams like Ole Miss, at least a little bit. Because I think Ole Miss, when it comes to them, they have a high-powered offense that might be figured out once everybody looks at the scouting tape. Same with those Mike Leach-led Bulldogs. I think that LSU has every chance to be towards the top of their game. And I hope they will. Because if they don't, Ed Ogeron's gone in my book. Because you've still got the cloud surrounding you with the Title IX investigations. I think they knocked out a lot of these hires out of the park, and they've put together a great group of guys. They've put together a group that I can say right now they could stick around for those two years, maybe even longer, because of the fact that they are the people that's going to be considered elite. They can turn this program overnight into a contender in the next two years. You have a lot of talent that's coming back, and you have a lot of other guys coming up down the road. I am looking forward to seeing how LSU looks with this program, with these guys in place, with the experience that will be coming back. It's not like the year before where you lost 14 guys to the draft, a few opt-outs, injuries, and players opting out later on in the year, or should I say quitting, being a quitter, I can say unequivocally, LSU is going to be a contender again with this group in place. This group is going to be intact in 2021. I don't think we'll be seeing too many opt-outs 
Because these guys have a lot to prove, especially some of the juniors that are going to be draft eligible next year. Derek Stingley Jr. has all the talent in the world, but he hasn't shown me much. And if I'm a scout, I feel like I want to see more from him this year. I want to see how much film he can put together. Guys like Eli Rex, those guys are the future. They need to not have that sophomore slump to really solidify themselves as being a top guy in the next couple of years. We have all this experience coming back. Tell me you don't see potential. And sometimes, we're talking about LSU in the months of January and February, all you need to talk about is that phrase, potential. And potentially, LSU is 9-3 and next season. 10-2 and if they can really get their act together and knock out one of those three teams that I think they're, go- they're going to lose to in Texas A&M. Alabama or Florida. You, I mean, hell, if you beat Alabama, more likely than not, you could very well go undefeated, but that feels like a stretch. I think you're one year away. And that's if a lot of people come back. If Ke- Coach Ed Ogeron says he wants to re-recruit these guys to come back for one more go, then they can say, hey, this is where we're at, and we are going to be winners. I want to see that team succeed. People call me a hater. People have called me a hater many times in the past. I'm not a hater. I'm more of a realist than anything. I want to see a lot of teams across this great state of ours succeed. I want us to be a lot like Dustin Poirier, Daniel Cormier, the New Orleans Saints. Not so much the New Orleans Pelicans because they've sucked for a long time. I want to see the entire state succeed. Because when one team succeeds, we all succeed. But you can about imagine if... We see La Tech, Tulane, Nichols State, McNeese State, all these programs that we all know and love to a certain extent. We can have the potential to keep these guys together, to keep these guys away from the Alabamas of the world, the Texas of the world, the Texas A&Ms of the world. We want to have Louisiana be on that big stage. We, we, Acadiana, you were so happy about a month ago You were over the moon, overjoyed about the fact that the LSU LSU Tigers won a national championship to start the year. To end the year, we had Acadiana High, STM, Cameron Crow, Lafayette Christian Academy. We had four programs across this Acadiana area of ours secure state titles. How much pride did you have back then? That's how much pride I would have to see Louisiana Tech, Tulane, LSU, the Cajuns, Nichols State, McNeese State, to see all those programs succeed and then some on the football field. On all fields, hardwood, baseball diamond, the softball field. Tell me you wouldn't love to see some of these great programs continue to excel. That's what makes this state great, and it's a great sports state. But I feel like there's still some work to be done. And hopefully LSU can hold up there into the bargain. All right, it's under the, under the dome with CD. Hope you have a great Saturday. We'll be back after this. We're going to talk about those Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're making some waves in the Sun Belt Conference. We'll talk about some of those standings. And look back at last night across the Sun Belt Conference. Cajuns get a 62-60 win. I'll talk about that and more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
Petey may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. All right, welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hope you have a great Saturday afternoon. And the Twin Peaks hotline is open for the whole darn show. You heard me right. Usually I have guests booked up for the show, but you know, this week, going going ahead and flying solo for the whole two hours. But guess what? You can be part of the action if you call up right now the Twin Peaks hotline, 337-706-0111, If you want to talk LSU, the Saints, the Pelicans, whatever you want to talk about, I'm right here for you. Consider this. An open forum for you to vent your frustrations about the Pelicans or vent your frustrations about LSU. Whatever you want to do, it's wide open for you. But in the meantime and in between time, my goodness, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns took care of business last night, 62-60. to Your winners of four straight. And it was definitely an entertaining contest, especially in the, early on the second half because the Cajuns took control pretty much from Jump Street. We're able to take the leader early, get the first basket off of Theo Okuba. He had a nice early dunk. But then the team just started to put it together towards the end of the second half, going up 31-24. They put up a couple runs to go up. Texas State took the lead about about midway through the second half, but the Cages were able to kind of seal the deal. Cedric Russell led the way with 21 points, five boards, and one steal. Definitely more than made up for some of the inefficiencies but the Cajuns get it done improved to 12 and 4 6 and 3 in the Sun Belt my goodness that is impressive and now they are potentially one win away from taking the lead in the Sun Belt West division right now Cajuns would be actually they're 6 and 3 the Bobcats would be 5 and 3 so I believe the win percentage would work out to where where they'd be ahead of Texas State because they've played one extra game more than the Bobcats. I think they would, that would work out, and then they'd be in control, add the fact that they would be having the better win percentage and hold the tiebreaker in terms of the three out of four games they've played. If they sweep this one, that would be massive, heading into the rest of the schedule for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. But i got to say, I, I, I'm impressed by what I've seen from this Cajuns team the last couple weeks is they started to get this thing together. Because I think that had been an issue for at least a little bit. When you look at the Cajuns and the way they were early on in conference play, especially early on in the season, they had I've mentioned before they've had a lot of relative cupcake games. They the one loss they had in non con was against now number two Baylor, undefeated, losing one twelve eighty two. This is what the rest of our schedule looked like. A win over UNO. A win over LSU Shreveport and LSU Alexandria. You beat UNO again, and then you wrapped it up against McNeese State before you had a long break before January 1st when you opened up against Texas State, and you split that series. They also managed to beat La Tech in a nail-biter of a ball game. So the Cajuns have absolutely kind of turned it around because it felt like they were just going to continue to split and kind of, I'd say, fall down a good bit of the of ways down in the standings because you'd wind up splitting while some other teams 
would kind of make a way. But lo and behold, this has been a very much top-heavy division for the most part. Coastal Carolina, they have been the real leaders in the clubhouse, 6-2 and two overall, 12-3 and three in Sunbelt play, leading the East, but are really going to head and shoulders above some other programs. Right behind them is the App State Mountaineers, who are taking on the Troy Trojans, and they just took a loss, 71-62. I got to give credit to App State, because a few years ago, it felt like the App State Mountaineers were towards the bottom of the pack when it comes to the Sunbelt Conference. I it just was because of the fact they didn't have a whole lot of guys that were true like stars. They didn't have that. Programs like Troy, programs like Texas State and UT Arlington that definitely focus a lot more on basketball, those had tons of players, tons of stars on that program. Coastal Carolina really making waves on all fronts. I mean, we know their baseball program is really good. It feels like Coastal Carolina may be the most complete program in the Sunbelt Conference right now. Yes, I could say the Cajuns are close to it and probably definitely deserve consideration because of the fact you had only one loss this past year on football. We always know the baseball team is going to be good, and from what I've heard, this team is going to be great in 2021. I'm looking forward to kind of doing a bit more of a deep dive because I talk about this with Ben. I want to know if you're kind of the same way. 337-706-0111 is when your favorite team, my favorite team is the New Orleans Saints. You might have different ones. I know some people are Bucks fans for some reason in this area. More power to you. More power to you. And I would also love to know why. Because my buddy TV's Dylan, he actually mentioned this to me the other day, never told me about this before, and I was shocked that he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. And it's because he jumped on when they won their first Super Bowl. So he's not a, he's not a bandwagon fan, but he follows them enough to know what's going on and it's interesting because we've heard a lot of people who are like Tampa Bay fans. People who are fans of the Washington football team somewhere like some way or another. And I think it's might just be me. But either it's once the Super Bowl's done or the Saints are out of the playoffs, I start counting on the baseball season. I like basketball, but I have always been more of a baseball guy, especially college baseball, because of the Cajuns. I have always been a huge fan of that program ever since I was a young pup. And I want to follow them, and now I'm covering them. It's really fun to kind of see this program continue to grow, and I'm looking forward to seeing the first full year. Keyword there, full year for the Cajuns under Matt Dex, because I know he's done a lot of he's made a lot of changes. It's almost a whole new roster for the most part. You got a really solid rotation, it looks like. I could see this Cajuns like baseball team really solidify a case as making the Cajuns the most complete amongst the meat and potato sports. Because obviously track and field is a different thing. Speaking of which, if you're if you're big into track and field, you know, we're gonna go ahead and say this. You know, track and field, I saw this pop up last night in my emails. The Rage of Cajuns Led in the Louisiana Invitational, Mince Pole Vault claimed the crown in the 10-team in-state meet. Really great performances there. But yeah, still, it's beyond the point. We all know Cajun softball is the top dog in that conference. We all know that. I can say right here, right now, the Cajuns have a chance to at least contend, in my mind right now, contend for a Sun Belt 
title in basketball, basket, basketball, baseball, and softball this year. As well as football, but of course that game got canceled. But I feel like we're going to see everything go the way it needs to be, and we're going to see the championships actually take place this year. I feel like it's going to happen. I'm confident in it. And that's just how I'm going to go about it. I'm confident. I'm going to be confident as all get out that this is going to happen. We're going to see the NCAA tournament get here. We're going to see the Cajuns playing the Sunbelt Conference tournament. The big question is, will they be a double by team? I think that's the real question we're all wondering. For me, I think the Cajuns have every chance to do so, but they have to. And I mean have to win the West. And I think they have a chance to do so. They win today against Texas State at 4 o'clock, and I feel like they have a chance to do so based off the way they performed last night. Yes, they let Texas State back in a little bit. Yes, a lot of these games have been extremely close. Outside of the Arkansas State game last Friday, they've had games that have gone down to most of their wins have been like about a one or two possession game. Texas, I mean, let's just let's just go run them down real quick. Let's run down these win losses. You had 83-77 win over Texas State. Then you lost 71-59 the next night. 66-64 over Little Rock in the controversial lights-out game. Then you lost by two points the next night to a Little Rock team that has kind of fallen down a little bit in the rankings. They're 5-4 and four overall in conference play, 9-7. and seven. And they just came off of a 66-62 win over the cellar dwellers of all programs in the Sunbelt Conference. I mean, they're, they're the polar opposite of the Cajuns and Coastal Carolina and, to a certain extent, App State. They're they're the F tier. If we're going to do the tier list of the of Sunbelt Conference teams, I might do that one day and do a tier list of all the conferences, just in terms of overall athletics amongst the big meat and potato sports. Because, again, there's a bunch of different sports the Cajuns probably don't even participate in that some others might. I feel like the Cajuns are probably an A tier right now alongside because I'm not gonna put an S tier. I don't think there's any truly spectacular like S tier level programs. But I feel like Cajuns, Coastal Carolina, and App State are your A tier programs. I'd probably go I'd probably say Georgia Southern I mean just in football strictly, I'd say it'd be Georgia Southern. You'd probably put Arkansas State in the mix in the B tier. C tier would be Georgia State, Troy, because Troy like had a good year a couple years ago. Had a good couple years. But they dipped down a, like, a surprising amount this past season. So they'd be in the C tier with South Alabama and Georgia State because consistently inconsistent. There'd be no D tier. F tier would be the Warhawks and Texas State. Texas State has a chance to really get better, but I feel like they've got to prove a lot more to me. But looking around the Sunbelt Conference, I'm at App State. Losing to Troy last night, 71-62, really competitive ball game from Nick Stampley. 23 points, 12 boards, nice double-double from him. Then Little Rock, you saw Nikola Merrick in relation to Nikola Jokic. 17 points, 9 rebounds, one shy of a double-double for him. And Arkansas, Little Rock, or should I say the Little Rock Trojans, because people are still putting UALR on some of these. I'm like, come on now, like don't do this, don't, don't do Little Rock like that. And be inconsistent with the way you're wording it. And the Four Letter Network kind of does the same thing where they put Louisiana on the main thing, but then they put Louisiana Lafayette. Come on now, like stay consistent with your wording and, your, and the branding because it makes no sense. And that's going to be difficult to really build a brand. But you've got 
Coastal Carolina, they won over Georgia Southern in a big way, 79-62. Tyreek Dixon, 21 points and five boards, three assists. And the other final matchup of this Friday night slate was 83-75 at UT Arlington, lost to Arkansas State in overtime. What a ball game that was. I was kind of keeping track of things, thanks to our good friend Kara Ritchie. She was tweeting about it, and it was definitely a heck of a performance from them. So, yeah, that's that happened last night. Tonight, all these games will be at 4 o'clock, I believe, or around that time, 3 o'clock. I think it's 4 o'clock Central Time or Eastern Time, whatever. So, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, UT Arlington, Texas State, the, and all, all the other ones can take place at 4. South Alabama, South Alabama, Georgia State has been postponed due to COVID-19 protocols. But the Cajuns women's team has been pretty good as well this season especially as of late, finally made it back home for the first time what feels like, like six months. That's kind of where we were at with this. And I sat there. I was like, this is awesome because the Cajuns absolutely deserve to be able to play at home. They haven't been able to the last few weeks. In fact, they had, like, again, they had three weeks off. And somehow, someway, that program is where it's at. And the Cajuns right now are – they took down – the Texas State Bobcats, 66-64, definitely highly competitive. It was like a last-second shot, want to come up just short for the Bobcats. So now the Cajuns keep on rolling. And they're actually leading the Sun Belt West after a really kind of rocky non-conference slate, currently 6-5 and five on the year. They're 5-1 and one overall. They haven't necessarily got as many games in, but they've looked really good over the course of this regular season. And as it's gone down the stretch, I think maybe the fact that you, it, it, like, it's weird to say this, but it may have been a blessing in disguise to have the Little Rock series and UT Arlington canceled, postponed, having that like three-week gap. You're able to get everybody healthy and get everybody reared up, ready to go for the long haul. So I'm looking forward to seeing, because I'm going to be there tonight. I'm going to go cover the Cajuns game. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this team does. And hopefully, it's not like the last few games that I've gone to. And this is something I, I joked around about. I was not at the game last Saturday for the Cajuns game against Arkansas State. And they won. While every other conference game I've been to, they've lost. Hopefully, we see that reverse itself. And Gary Broadhead's team gets a win. Because they are looking like back on track to where they seem to be last year. Because I remember... like feeling interested in what this program was going to do. And I was like, okay, we're going to see where this goes. But hopefully the Cajuns can continue to roll. Pass due for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on with the Cajun, with them, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Because my goodness, I saw this yesterday. And you have to hear this because I had to deal with hearing it for the first time yesterday. Make sure you keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game. It's Under the Dome with CD. Right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break up. Let's get back to the famous CD, yeah. who will break it all down for us. 
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037 Game.com. The Twin Peaks hotline is open. 337 706 I'm just seeing this pop up. Going to give big credit to our guy Tim Buckley, who's out there working double, maybe triple overtime right now, kind of looking at everything going on involved in the world of recruiting for the Cajuns. And former Florida commit George Jackson committed to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Jackson originally committed to the Gators back in November of 2018 when he was a sophomore at in Stone Mountain, Georgia at Stevenson High. And according to Buckley, he decommitted last October, and he announced on Twitter that he will be signing with the Cajuns. That is a huge get. Once again, the Cajuns have been able to kind of crush it with recruiting. And according to... Buckley, again, he mentioned that the decision ultimately came down to Florida State, Georgia Tech, Arkansas State, and the Cajuns. The fact that the Cajuns got in there, absolutely massive. And apparently he was swayed by Billy Napier and Rob Sale, as well as, no surprise here, Jabar Luke. By the way, I think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say it. I think Jabar Luke may be the best hire Billy Napier made for this Cajuns team. I'm going to get back to what I was going to talk about with the Eagles in a second, but seeing that pop up is making me really think of this. The Cajuns hiring Jabbar Luke was probably the most important hire the Cajuns made when they hired Billy Napier. Yes, Rob Sale, Ron Roberts, all those guys are fantastic, but I feel like Jabbar Luke was probably the most crucial piece of that. Not only because he knows the state of Louisiana as well as New Orleans area extremely well in terms of recruiting, I think he is probably one of the best recruiters on that staff, in my mind. I think Rob Sale does a great job. I think a lot of those guys do a fantastic job, but I feel like maybe, just maybe, Rob Sale, I mean, excuse me, Jabarja Luke may be the most underrated guy on that list. At least that's the way I look at it. But I want to talk about the the Philadelphia Eagles because I saw this and I was blown away by how inept the new Eagles head coach is. Nick Sirianni, he's coming over from the, the Indianapolis Colts. He was a D.C. at one point. He was announced about a week ago as the new head coach of those Philadelphia Eagles after the whole Doug Peterson incident. And he wound up being the guy that they chose. And he had his introductory press conference yesterday. Oh, boy. This is one of the things he said in his opening statement. We laugh at Dan Campbell and the biting the kneecaps. I think Nick Sirianni may be a robot. Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team, that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're going to... We're gonna know. We're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against, or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. Because when we can put that, because we when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over. But we need to have systems in place, and we will have systems in place to do so. It just felt like, especially the first half of that. I'm going to go ahead and play the first half for it because it's been sitting in my mind the way he handled it. Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team, 
that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. This, that, that moment reminded me of this video that I, like, it just popped in my head once I heard it again late last night when I was kind of prepping the show. Have you ever had a dream that, that you, um, you had, you, you, you could, you do, you, you want, you, you could do so, you, you do, you could, you, you want, you want him to do you so much you could do anything? That's what it reminded me of, without a doubt, was that because it, he was stammering all, all the way through. It also reminded me a little bit of Johnny Jones doing an amazing job and doing a fantastic job. Like it was literally that kind of thing. I was like, did this guy's like brain just break? How did he pass the interview? And again, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I feel like that moment he may have lost the press conference in a very tough market like Philadelphia where. Philly fans are very fickle. They absolutely are the most fickle fan base ever. And if you do one thing wrong, they absolutely let you have it. I've seen some people on Twitter and YouTube absolutely tear this guy a new one. Also tear Doug Peterson a new one, which he definitely deserved for what he did a few weeks ago. He absolutely deserves getting it done. I think he probably is going to wind up giving this team every chance to secure a win. I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy has. But, man, he may, at least to me, he lost the press conference worse than anybody else in this class of people who are getting a head coaching job. Robert Sala did a pretty decent job with his. Dan Campbell, yes, people may have laughed about the whole, you know, biting the kneecaps off. We'll get to that later on the program. But I think he still did a good job because he brought energy. He was tired of being, of being the coach speak BS that we've heard for a long time. He felt more real, more realistic. Yes, he's the dude and all that stuff. But I think Dan Campbell is a guy that won a press conference. David Culley, former Cajuns assistant coach back in the 80s, he did a bang-up job making sure and people recognizing this program absolutely it's huge. He made this franchise at least somewhat. He won the press conference. He won the press conference at least somewhat. But at the same time, it is a train wreck and a half in Houston, Texas right now. It is a dumpster fire unlike any other. And I talked about it last week. I talked about it with Ben earlier in the week. It's all Jack Easterby's fault. I don't know the guy from the man on the moon. But Jack Easterby has really proven that he is the guy leading the way. He is the guy that is pushing the the pieces on the chessboard. And he's playing it like it's damn checkers. What he did, he sat there and he made sure to pray it into existence to get Nick Casario to be the next guy, to be the GM. He prayed and made sure Cal McNair knew his statement. Because if he wasn't, if if Jack Easterby didn't do that, there was going to be a guy there that was basically going to clean bleeping house. And Nick Casario is going to keep Jack Easterby around because that's a yes man. 
He wants to keep him around. That's the only reason why Nick Casario is the GM of the Texans. And that's really, and you know, Dave Cully, I think he's going to do a good job, but he's not going to do a good enough job because of the fact I feel like everybody's abandoning ship. And it's not, I feel like Dave Cully seems like a great guy. We talked to Brian Mitchell earlier in the week. He recruited him and apparently really great guy. I hope he does well. But it's going to be an uphill climb because of the guys he is working for. Because of Cal McNair being a complete idiot. He is the one, I mean, his his wife is the one that really runs things, Janice McNair. Janice McNair runs things. She is the owner of this franchise. And people are flying planes. Yes, flying planes around Houston that have the phrase, Janice, sell the team right now. So not only do the fans not like it, hell, Cal McNair wasn't even at the press conference for David Culley's introduction. That tells you a lot about how much power Cal McNair really has in all this. It is all about what's going on with Jack Easterby and Nick Casario. They're the ones who are going to sink this proverbial ship unlike any other. I certainly hope they can kind of turn this around. I really hope that they can do some cool things down the road. But it feels like everything's going wrong with that franchise. They have a problem. Deshaun Watson, he's wanting out. J.J. Watt's wanting out. That's basically two of your guys that are actually worth a damn on that team that you didn't already trade off for a washing machine when Bill O'Brien was the damn GM, which was the first mistake the Texans made in the first place. And I feel like the Texans deserve this. They deserve every bit of this because they let one man have too much power. This franchise, the Texans, is nearing 20 years in the league. And outside of Deshaun Watson and Andre Johnson, who basically comes out under rock every 20 years to yell and complain about the state of this team, and he definitely deserves every opportunity to lambast what's going on with this franchise. Because Janice McNair and Cal McNair are being the biggest jabronis on the planet. On the planet. I'm sitting here right now inside the first South Farm Credit Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana. I can look at that right now and say that's the worst franchise in the NFL. And they're going to continue to be the worst franchise in the NFL. Because they'll never get it right. They'll never get it right until they change the entire thing, purge the system. I I don't know who's worse, Cal McNair or, or Dean Spanos or Dan Snyder over at the Washington football team. Who's the bigger idiot? Who's the bigger jabroni? In the NFL, right here, right now, the NFL has a new factory of sadness, and that's the Houston Texans. They've been in this league for almost 20 years, 20 years, and for probably 15 of those, they've been garbage. They've been garbage. For the couple years they were good with Bill O'Brien, it was before they decided to let him have all the power. The second you gave him all the power... That thing sunk faster than the Titanic. And now we're sitting here, scratching our heads, why does Deshaun Watson want out? Look at it! 
Just look at it. This franchise has sunk to 20,000 leagues under the sea. Just look at it. This franchise is a joke and should be sold. Sell the team. Like, sell the team, and I guarantee you, things probably are going to get better. It may not be year one, but in three, five years, if you get rid of it now, I'm telling you, that franchise gets better. All right, it's on the Dome with CD. And we'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. to the pros and everywhere in between. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana's Sports Station. 103.7 The Game. Welcome back under the dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Getting ready to wrap up hour number one in style. A quick hour one break. And we'll be back with hour number two of two, and we'll start off hour two with an interesting take involving what would happen if all 32 coaches entered the squared circle for one night only in the NFL head coaches' Royal Rumble match. Yes, you heard me right. This is something I came up with over the weekend, over last weekend, I should say. I saved it for today. We'll get to that next, right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037TheGame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! It's time! And time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Hey, welcome everyone to our number two of two, and away we go. Time for Under the Dome with CD, and we're with you till one o'clock, leading you up to kickoff between the LSU Fighting Tigers and those Texas Tech Red Raiders. And of course, we're, as always, coming to you live from the beautiful First South Farm Credit Studios. Here, this worldwide. And you can listen to us worldwide through 1037thegame.com, the free mobile app, smart speakers, Amazon Echoes, Google Homes. Make sure you can update your Alexa skill if you haven't already. Make sure you can tell your smart speaker to play us. Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. And, of course, if you're in the Acadiana area, appreciate you listening in, especially if you're using the FM dial. This is where the power lies. And hopefully you're having a great one, and I'm in a darn good mood because I got my buttons back, baby. And that means I can just play all these different sound bites, and more importantly, I can play this. When last year I spent more money on spilt liquor 
and virus from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. And hopefully you're having a great one, be it, you know, your first, your second cup of coffee, I should say, or you're popping the first time of the day. Appreciate you listening in. And the Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We'll talk about some Texas Tech LSU in a little bit, around 1230 or so. And that's definitely going to be a damn good ball game. But I want to kind of just solely look at, at what's going on with the head coaches in the NFL because I thought about something last week and over the last week or so after the Dan Campbell conference because the Dan Campbell conference was probably the biggest thing that had happened in the last couple weeks, especially after the Saints season ended in the most depressing, depressing fashion possible. And it's absolutely one of my favorite things in the world. I'm going to play that soundbite for you right now. So this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing, all right? That's going to be the mentality, and the way he said that, and also add the fact that the time frame he said this, it was apropos to bring to think about this in my head. Because tomorrow night is the Royal Rumble. The most wonderful time of the year to be a pro wrestling fan because the road to WrestleMania gets started tomorrow night. And it'll be inside that dump called Tropicana Field in the dump of a town called Tampa Bay, Florida. But we're going to talk about who wins this all NFL head coaches Royal Rumble. We're only going to keep it to 30, and that's considering the fact that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take two people out immediately. And one of those is Urban Meyer, because I think Urban Meyer will just be like, you know what, I've got health issues, I'm going to opt out of this Royal Rumble match. The other one that I'm going to go ahead and say is Bill Belichick, because he's too depressed dealing with the fact that Tom Terrific is about to win another Super Bowl, more likely than not, and he, a lot like me, is not taking the breakup very well. But I'm looking forward to seeing how Super Bowl Sunday is going to look. I'm getting a little bit more amped up for it. Trust me, by by next Saturday, I should be all the way like adrenaline hook it to my damn veins style. I should be just absolutely jacked up for that, brother. But I was thinking about it. How about I spend some time booking out an entire Royal Rumble involving all 30 head coaches, and my crazy mind actually pulled it off, and we're going to go ahead and break that down right now. And in my mind, I think number one and number two entrants in the Royal Rumble, you got to go with the younger guys, the guys that can go a little bit longer in the traditional booking of a Royal Rumble. So for me, Cliff Kingsbury is entrant number one and from the... Arizona Cardinals, and then we get an NFC West foe in the one and only Sean McVay. Those two squaring off at number one and number two. 
Then we get number three. John Gruden comes out number three, and the, the, it becomes it becomes a little bit bigger. Nobody gets eliminated till further down the line. Nick Sirianni bod he gets in to the Royal Rumble number four, and then Mike Tomlin comes in at number five. But then everything changes. When the man, Riverboat Ron, now cancer-free of the Washington football team, he runs into the Royal Rumble at number five, uh, number six, excuse me. He starts cleaning house. He throws out a couple guys. Nick Sirianni bought the first one. Mike Tomlin starts taking care of business. Joe Judge comes out at number seven. Definitely an entertaining matchup between those two. And they, everything kind of just starts picking up from here. Robert Sala comes in, but he gets eliminated pretty quickly. Not able to kind of put up a whole lot of defense in this one. Number 10 on the list, Kevin Stefanski, new, the Cleveland Browns head coach, who led him to a, a playoff run, and he makes a good way through, through there. Spoilers here. Number 11, John Harbaugh, the, the wily veteran head coach. Been there since 2008 with the Baltimore Ravens. And he gets quickly eliminated by, you know, Mike Tomlin. Then we get Kyle Shanahan coming in. We get next up, Andy Reid makes the run in. And Andy Reid starts kind of coming out of House of Fire to start things off. And then we get Bruce Arians running in. These two are squaring off. And we get to see these two buttheads in a preview of the Super Bowl next Sunday. And they go at it. Mike Vrabel comes out. Pete Carroll comes out right after him. All hell's breaking loose. And then we get David Culley, 65 years old, making his way into the Royal Rumble around the midway point. After that, we get Dan Campbell, the man who said he'd bite off kneecaps. He bites off some kneecaps. He makes his way into the ring. And starts throwing people out. David Culley gets thrown out. Andy Reid gets thrown out. The dude abides and is able to dominate. Sean Payton comes out. And Dan Campbell and Sean Payton stare down. But then we see the world continue to revolve. The, the, the more combatants enter the ring. And it's starting to get very, very stacked. But the man that is going to start throwing people out left and right is Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys. Starts throwing out a lot of different guys. Matt LaFleur runs in. Frank Reich eventually comes out. I'd say the final member to enter the Royal Rumble at number 30. Somehow, someway, he managed to pull that magic card out of his pocket. I don't know how he did it. But by God, he pulled it off. Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons pulls number 30 out of that magic hat, but he gets quickly eliminated not long after by Dan Campbell. And we go down to the final four of my head coach's Royal Rumble. And in my mind, it's Dan Campbell. It's got to be Kyle Shanahan. Cliff Kingsbury, he's still existing in there. He was able to kind of, he got out underneath the ring, so he's able to kind of like hide for a good while. And he was able to stay inside that Royal Rumble match because he didn't go over the top rope. That's the rules. Mike Zimmer still hanging around. That's your that's your final four. A really good final four at that. 
But my winner in my mind and cashing his ticket to head coach of Mania is the man they call Dan Campbell. He bit off plenty of kneecaps, threw a lot of guys over the top rope. The big man, the, the former tight ends coach for the New Orleans Saints, standing at a big old six foot five, two hundred sixty five pounds, absolute mountain of a man. In my mind, is your winner of the twenty twenty one NFL Head Coaches Royal Rumble. Now, does that mean he's going to be any good? You know, that's anybody's guess. I just like having fun with this because this is kind of my time of the year where I can get a little more creative. Because, again, you know, now that the NFL season is largely done, you know, the Senior Bowl is going on later today. I don't have a whole lot of notes about that, but we got that going on. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing goes and how some of the head coaches look. And for me, I think that of all the head coaches that got hired in the offseason, I think Dan Campbell may be the guy that could surprise a lot of people. I'm not saying he's going to be bringing this team to the playoffs overnight because he's got to be able to try and figure out a way to get a lot out of Matt Stafford. The front office has to try and figure that out. But I feel like he's got more of a chance. Robert Sala has got to basically redesign this entire team from the ground up. The Philadelphia Eagles, you got to try and redesign that team from the ground up. Outside of that, it's it's tough to see a lot of these guys succeed in the first year. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of those are already kind of on hot seats, mainly because of the fact like the New York Jets, they're going to put this Robert Sala guy through a blender. But when it comes to guys who coach in their first year in the NFL as head coaches for their respective teams, I think the guy that's going to surprise everybody in year two has to be Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has definitely led this Washington football team to unseen heights. Like They haven't seen it in a while. Now it's all about what he does with the Alex Smith stuff. Like, can he get him to come back for another year or two? Or is he done? Like, you need to try and figure out what you're going to do with your quarterback going forward. Because I wouldn't be surprised if you see you know, the Washington football team try and trade up into a spot to go get somebody like a Mac Jones. Because he has absolutely like skyrocketed up a lot of different boards over the last couple weeks. So I think that's somebody that they're going to have to keep an eye on to try and secure. So hopefully you're able to kind of keep tabs on all this. Because I'm looking forward to this offseason. Because you've got so many quarterbacks to choose from. And you've got so much unknown going on like right here, right now. There's so much unknown. And I'm interested to see how it all kind of, kind of pans out for a lot of teams, especially the New Orleans Saints. Because who's to say that is Deshaun Watson who you want and can you pull it off? Can you be able to like put together all the pieces and give them to the Texans to make sure that you can retain the services of Deshaun Watson for a little while and be able to have somebody that is a true proven quarterback? Or are you going to continue to rely on Sean Payton and potentially him Fallen a sword like I've mentioned many times in the past because if you see Taysom Hill be the starting quarterback week one, no matter who it's against, this team's going to fail. I think this team is going to fail if you let Sean Payton be Sean Payton. Because Sean Payton has an obsession with being the smartest guy in the room. And when it works, it's great. But when it doesn't, 
it makes him look like an ass. And more often than not, especially post-Super Bowl, it's not worked out. It's blown up in his face. And I feel like you can see Sean Payton be taken out of his job in the next two to three years if he has Taysom Hill and the Taysom Hill experiment does not work out. And I'm almost certain it does not work out at all. But we'll talk about some of the quarterback free agency, some of the news surrounding that, especially when it comes to Deshaun Watson. I'll talk about that next and more. Of course, the Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. by 20 squared circle and everywhere in between the world famous cd isn't afraid of tackling any topic just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends finish him just bring it let's get back to under the dome Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hope you're having a good one so far. And I want to kind of talk about some of the quarterback free, the quarterback carousel that could be happening in 2021 for the NFL because it's going to be nuts to see what's going on right now and projecting where things are going to go. And it is just wild. And the fact that Deshaun Watson is largely all but checked out of the great city of Houston, Texas, but the crappy franchise known as the Houston Texans. He actually took all the mentions of Texans off his social media gimmicks, which really makes you think that this is going to be the end of the road for him. But it's it's crazy to think that there's going to be a lot of changes and almost half of the 32 teams in the league could very well have a starting new starting QB next season. Because who's to say Ben Roethlisberger doesn't hang it up? Could the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers? Seems unlikely. The NFL draft could change a lot of things with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, probably being two of the guys, and Mac Jones as well. There's a lot of t- potential like shakeup in the NFL. I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing goes. Because I would be surprised if we see, you know, some franchises make a lot of changes when it comes right down to it. The Chicago Bears, I think, are the one, the first one that comes to mind. Because you've got Mitch Trubisky. Are you going to give him an extension? Did he do good enough? Did he do enough to kind of say, I'm going to give you an extension? And more importantly, did the league, did he do enough in the postseason to say, hey, you know, you deserve it? Did, he, did the MVP the Nick Valuable Player Award, do enough to secure him an extension? I don't necessarily think so. They could wind up being trying to look around the league and try and get somebody on the cheap. Cam Newton at the top of that list is a guy that I think they have to at least look at. Outside of that, I'd say probably the Dallas Cowboys is going to be an interesting scenario. Because I've been questioning it for a while. 
and I, I said this on Ben's show the other day, was the fact that this Cowboys franchise, they're a couple steps away from being in the pit of misery. Yes, you're right. They're a couple steps away from being in that pit of misery. It's all about what they do with Dak Prescott. Because Dak dealt with an ankle injury last year, and do they trust him in staying healthy post-ankle injury? That remains to be seen. Now, Jerry Jones pretty much has to sign him, because I don't think Ben DiNucci, Andy Dalton, whoever else they threw out there this year is going to be worth a damn and is going to wind up getting this team to long-term success. A healthy Dak Prescott and a motivated Ezekiel Elliott who doesn't have feed me on his stomach and looking like a complete Melvin? Because I can tell you right now, that team is a joke with him in there and him leading the way. The Denver Broncos, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and trade around and get somebody. Again, if you look at the New York Jets, who's to say that they don't get rid of Sam Darnold or somewhere along those lines because Justin Fields could very well be their next starting quarterback if everything goes the way you expect it to. Are they sold on Sam Darnold? If not, I'd say they can want to probably trying to lowball the Jets to go get Darnold, a guy who has not necessarily panned out all that well, but mind you, that's the New York Jets. Give him some time. I think he could do a good job and be the next guy behind Drew Locke because Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippon, not necessarily guys that, that pop off of the page for me. Yes, Brett Rippon tore up the cages a few years ago, but that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is the NFL. If the Matt, if the Lions are moving on from Matt Stafford, God, that's going to be tough to get somebody that's truly going to make a wave for this team immediate impact-wise. Because, in my mind, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going 1-2 in my drafts. I haven't done a full mock draft yet. I don't, don't do it till the week before the draft. And I give you my full 32 picks. That's how we do things here at Acadiana Sports Station. So tune in for that come April. Because I've got some thoughts about how the NFL is going to turn out this year. Because this is a really good stacked class. I think the Lions would have to go get somebody like Zach Wilson. That's kind of where I would predict where they go. If they move on from Stafford. Now, where does Stafford go? Oh, man, that is tough to kind of predict. Because I feel like Stafford absolutely has every potential to be with a team like the 49ers if they want to move on from Jimmy G, which, mind you, I think they could. The Green Bay Packers aren't going to trade Aaron Rodgers. Bottom line. He could demand a trade. I think that'd be the only way he pulls it off. But I don't think he's going to do that. Because of the fact that, you know, he has performed really well. And I think he's got one more year left in him to truly be make this team great. And if he doesn't, Jordan Love takes over in 2022. And I think Rodgers just kind of hangs it up. A lot like Drew Brees. Because I think he's going to hang it up whenever he knows he's his body's ready. Texas is going to get rid of Watson. So the only way I can see them pulling off something, I think you either have to trade with Miami or go ahead and get the number two pick from the 49ers or maybe get get a trade with Jimmy Garoppolo. It all depends on what they do. Do they get Matt Stafford or do does he go does he trade to the Saints in exchange for Jameis Winston? I think that would be an interesting theory is do you sign and trade, essentially, Jameis Winston to get Deshaun Watson and you trade off maybe a 
like middle of the road defensive lineman, defensive end guy to fill that void left by JJ Watt. Honestly, I'd probably much rather the other way around. Give me JJ Watt. I'd love to get JJ Watt on this team. As you can about imagine, he shine a lot more in the in that system with a guy like Cam Jordan and probably all pro, I'd say maybe second ballot Hall of Famer. He's the NFL's not like the MLB and complete idiots when it comes to inducting people into their hall. I think Cam Jordan definitely a couple more years left in him and he absolutely puts up numbers. He's a guy that look out. The Colts could very well be a logical landing spot for Stafford as well, but it's all about how things go and who takes over for who. Then you don't know if like what's going to happen with him. Uh, Gardner Minshew, a former Washington State guy, is he going to go somewhere? Is he going to wind up finding a landing spot? More likely than not, no. Probably just wind up cutting him. Obviously, Mahomes and Carr stick around. I think Justin Herbert's going to be there for a while as a starter for them. Golf is tough for the Rams. I think this is where the interesting thought process comes up about how each team looks. And I think the Rams have every chance to turn it around and really make a statement. And it's all about basically trying to get a guy like a Matt Stafford. Because if you don't get Matt Stafford, you are screwed. Because it feels like Goff has just been consistently inconsistent throughout his time in the NFL. Yes, he got to the Super Bowl, but I think he got to the Super Bowl because of his because of his defense, not because of the offensive performances. Is those were very hot, like hot and cold. And you saw that in the Super Bowl when the Patriots absolutely shut down the Rams' offense. Meanwhile, the Miami Dolphins, I think I think Tua Tagovailoa sticks around because I feel like they. If they do, they're pulling the trigger way too early. They're treating him like a Josh Rosen because of the fact he was injured and wasn't able to play a handful of games. He made only nine starts, while Ryan Fitzpatrick made a handful. I absolutely think that Fitz, Magic, goes somewhere. They trade him somewhere, but I don't think Tua Tagovailoa gets traded after one year because he looked good. They missed the they missed the playoffs and they were ten and six. Yes, Fitzpatrick was a good chunk of that season. But I feel like, you know, to give him time to have the game slow down for him, a lot like a Joe Burrow, I think that team could be a contender in an AFC East that does not have a team, a player like a Tom Brady holding dominion over that division. What's going to happen with the, with the pass? They're going to probably move on from Cam Newton. How are you going to wind up trying to pull something off? Are you going to get a reunion with Jimmy Garoppolo, a trade-back situation? How are you going to figure out your situation? That's probably the, the cloudiest one of them all because there's so many other guys that are there. I don't think Jared Stidham's the answer. I'm sorry. Jared Stidham's overrated, and I feel like he's going to wind up underwhelming if he's the starting quarterback, and that team's going to go continue to move down the line. And Bill Belichick, realized, Bill Belichick continues to prove that he lost the breakup. I heard Rome say that yesterday. I was like, I couldn't agree with that statement anymore. Is that Bill lost the breakup. You don't want to lose the breakup. Anybody who's ever been in a relationship knows that all too well. The Saints, 
it feels like if they trade, because there could be something there with Sean Watson, but that's about the only guy I'd probably want. If if you don't get if you don't get Deshaun, give me Jameis Winston. Give me Jameis Winston. Do not bother with Taysom Hill being a quarterback. If he doesn't like it, trade his ass. That's all I'm going to say. Taysom Hill seems like a great guy, but if he doesn't want to be this like spark plug, plug and play type of cat that he is, I don't know what to do with him. John, the Giants, I feel like Daniel Jones is going to have to step his game up in a big way. Brought the Jets more likely than not, Justin Fields. It's tough to see what's going to happen with the new head coach, Nick Sirianni. Could be could be telling you know Carson Wentz, Sayonara, send him over to the Colts. I don't know, but Hertz could very well be a guy that could be the starter. He looked good, and I feel like he could definitely have a big you know audition this year. If Ben Roethlisberger retires, I think the Steelers have to move up in the draft to go get him. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Trask out of Florida. He's a guy that is going to be a starter in the NFL and could very well have a huge impact in that really crowded AFC North. The 49ers, no idea what they're going to do. It's all about how the rest of the market works out when it comes down to it. Jimmy G could get traded. Russell Wilson sticking around. I don't know. Here's the thing. I think Tom Brady retires if they win the Super Bowl. And me and Ben got in this debate. You can debate me about it. 337-706-0111. But I think Tom Brady, if he retires after the season, I think that's going to happen. If he wins the Super Bowl, he retires. He goes off into the sunset, the Ray Lewis or the Peyton Manning. to assert, Peyton Manning, let's go ahead and compare those two. He gets that big send-off. He's able to prove a lot of different things. He proves the doubters wrong when it comes to being a champion inside the NFC, being an NFC champion, and proving that he's not a system quarterback. He's proven everybody wrong. That's a perfectly good ending to his story. So I'd say, why not? Give me Tom Brady retiring after the season, and then they have to figure out what's going on. That's tough. Titans are going to have to keep Tannehill because they paid him a fortune to be largely the guy that's going to hand off to him. And then, you know, Mac Jones could be a guy going to the Washington football team because Alex Smith, I think he's done in the league. Just all, all depends on what's going to happen next. Once we see dominoes start to fall, because it's going to be a very much like we, we, we talked about stock market earlier. The stock market has been absolutely nuts this week. If you haven't seen GameStop has like a $300 a share stock, which is insane, all thanks to Reddit. If you think that's going to be crazy, trust me, the money that's going to be made by several, I mean several teams, everybody's going to be trying to secure a positional free agent because this is going to be the wildest NFL offseason ever if you have all these quarterbacks available. Trust me, you think the stock market's bad? Trust me. The NFL free agent market is going to be nuts this year, and Wall Street bets won't have a leg to stand on compared to it. All right, it's under the under the dome at CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. Back after this, gonna talk some LSU Texas Tech next.
Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. The SEC Big 12 Challenge on tap. It's underway right now. And, man, we got some interesting games right now. With seven, I'm going to go ahead and kind of run through the SEC Big 12 Challenge real quick. What games are going on right now? Only two on tap as of right now. we got a lot of other games going on later today. The one that I'm most disappointed about is Texas-Kentucky is has been canceled because of COVID cases, I believe, involving Kentucky, if I'm mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but still... Either way, that game we were actually supposed to air right here on Acadiana Sports Station, but lo and behold, we won't. So I've got to move on from there. But looking at what's going on with the SEC Big 12 Challenge, Alabama currently trailing Oklahoma. Ninth-ranked Alabama taking on 24th-ranked Oklahoma. 51-55 is your score. The, the Sooners up on the tide right now. Definitely a big surprise there. 7.30 left in the ball game. Oklahoma just took a timeout. With about four minutes left, Texas A&M, a really bad team this year, is losing to Kansas State, who's been like relatively you know, mediocre. 5-12 and 12 on the season. 4-8 and eight in the Big 12. 4-8 at home, excuse me. Which is crazy that Kansas State is struggling that badly. So, yeah, that's what's going on right now. In about 20 minutes, 19 minutes to be precise, Texas Tech's taking on LSU, the Raider, Red Raiders' 10th ranked. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The 11th ranked West Virginia Mountaineers hosting the Florida Gators. TCU going to be taking on Mizzou. Then you've got Auburn Baylor at 3 o'clock. Then you've got Arkansas Oklahoma State at 3 Kansas, Tennessee, 15 versus 18 ranked. Definitely going to be a fun one over there. Tennessee currently a three-point favorite. Ole Miss at Georgia going to be a 5 o'clock tip. It all wraps up with Iowa State, Mississippi State at 5. And then 7.30 tip is going to be South Carolina taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores, currently the Gamecocks, four-point favorites. But I want to look specifically at the LSU-Texas Tech game. And I'm pulling up the spreads right now because I want to double-check what's going on with the LSU game. Currently, LSU is a three-and-a-half-point dog. I saw this four-point dog this morning when I was kind of finalizing prep for the show is that they were a four-point underdog, but now they're three-and-a-half. Over-under for this game is 150-and-a-half. And what's interesting is when you really kind of break things down, LSU actually is a little bit better than Texas Tech, but it's not really when you look at everything overall and you compare the two teams and what they've done over the last 10 games, especially the last three for Texas Tech. Because the last three games Texas Tech has had, they've played against top 25 ranked opponents, including a win over Shaka Smarts, Texas. I believe this was either last Monday or Tuesday. Really fun ball game. And then you lost a close one over the weekend to unbeaten Baylor and a respectable West Virginia program. West Virginia's in the top 15 in the country. I think that alone 
really makes you think how much the Big 12 basketball, on the whole, is looking like the SEC West in certain years, where the teams largely cannibalized themselves and we're seeing things set up a certain way. LSU hasn't played that level of opponent compared to the Red Raiders all-conference play long because they've only played really one phenomenal team, and that was who I was just talking about, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who have been on a roll all year long. Currently, they are still down 55-51 with 7.07 remaining. They took a little TV timeout just now, so yeah, that's going on. But they took on Alabama and got ran out of the PMAC a couple weeks ago, and then they played a Kentucky team that's typically going to be a ranked program, but this year they have sucked. Kentucky has been awful this year compared to any other year. And they lost to that team in Rupp Arena. The stretch of the games they have coming up is going to be huge in terms of building that resume for the NCAA tournament. Because like, if you, Unless you win the SEC tournament, it feels like right now the, the NCAA tournament is largely out of the question. That's if you don't win this game tonight. And I mentioned Alabama a second ago. Tigers play in T-Town this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock, and then they host Florida next Saturday. They'll be at the same time, so we'll have Under the Dome go the full two hours, lead you up to that on Saturday, tip-off at 1. There's my 15-minute notification that the LSU game is about to start. But they've got Mississippi State on the 10th. This be their one kind of break because Florida has been a pretty good team. I feel like they could be top 25 ranked next week. And then they've got currently ranked 18th Tennessee on the 13th. Now, they could be moving up in the rankings. That would probably be an even tougher matchup come Valentine's Day Eve. And just looking at that, the next five games, counting what's going on today, two and three at best. Now, if they win this game coming up about 15 minutes, they could have that big Q1 win, and that sets up really nicely in terms of the S-curve and all that stuff involving the NCAA tournament. Again, feels two and three at best for me. But if they win it coming up, I could be talking about a team that could go three and two, and that would be massive. But what's interesting is with Texas Tech, five, three and one on the road in the last ten games. In fact, I think it's three and one on the road all season long because they've definitely had a lot of games at home. Three and one all time, all this season they've been on the road three and one, while the Tigers have been eight and one overall in the last ten games. Been five and one. So the PMAC has been really good for them lately, and they have a better record the last ten games. But I feel like that just more speaks to the fact that your last ten games for LSU have been all right. We'll just we'll just count backwards. Day after Christmas, Nickel State, Texas A and M, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and I'd say a much improved Arkansas team, and they managed to really run them out the gym. Then you took on South Carolina, you lost to Bama, then you lost to Kentucky, you beat a lowly Texas A&M team that you beat to start conference play. That tells me that odds are Texas Tech, because they're so battle-tested, I'd give them the slight edge. I'd say LSU covers that 3.5-point spread, but Texas Tech comes away with the win. And that winds up helping LSU out a lot in terms of their confidence level. Because it wouldn't be a surprise if come their next go-round, be it next Wednesday when they take on Alabama, could they want to kind of be back in the conversation of getting into the NCAA tournament, beating an Alabama team after 
Oklahoma's roughing them up right now, 56-59. The Sooners are up on them. Definitely, that's an entertaining ballgame. Can't wait to see the finish of that one. A potential top 10 shakeup is what we're looking for. But outside of that, though, definitely an interesting day in the sport of college basketball. I've left at the Pelicans almost for like explicit reasons because I just don't care about the Pels. I watched them last night, and the second I got home, because I got home right around halftime, I got home and they were up big. I'm like, what happened? This team never is up big. Lo and behold, this team completely crapped the bed about two minutes later. Like They completely fell apart in that third quarter. And I feel like they're lucky they have, they won that ball game. Bottom line. And I just sat there like, did that really just happen? The Pelicans somehow won a game against a really good Milwaukee Bucks team that has Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've got Drew Holiday, and they beat him. Yet they haven't been able to beat some of the more mediocre teams. They haven't necessarily been able to put it all together. Lonzo Ball has been talked about being in trade talks. This team got shot out of a cannon in some games. Like If Bradley Beal had some help, the Washington Wizards would have won that game a couple nights ago. I want to know what the hell is going on with the team. It's a very inconsistent group, and I'm hoping they can get it together because then I'll probably talk about them. But, my God, I just feel like every time I turn on a Pelicans game, which isn't that often because of the fact that you know my cable provider currently doesn't have Fox Sports New Orleans or soon-to-be Bally Sports New Orleans because of, of uh, Sinclair Broadcast, which also conveniently owns Stadium, which is where we simulcast our TV shows during the week, Monday through Friday, that includes RP3 and Company, Footnotes, and Bumper to Bumper Sports with Ben Love, where I produce that show. I'm in here. And every now and then you get to see my my mug on TV, which is always entertaining. But for me, it's without a doubt the fact that the way things are, I feel like it's an uphill climb for the New Orleans Pelicans to be relevant. I hope they can get better, but man, I just, I feel like every time I turn it on, I have false hope, and then the hope gets obliterated out of me because they're playing markedly better teams. Like, when they played the Lakers a few weeks ago, they got absolutely demolished. Demolished. I want to see better out of them. I would love to see a Pelicans team be good, but man, it just makes me wonder what's going to happen next. Who's going to be the next guy to get traded? And you have to kind of start rebuilding this team again. I hope we don't see them have to sell sell off everybody else. And it's just Zion Williamson and a bunch of guys. But man, it's tough. It's tough to keep this team relevant. And it's the curse of the small market. Yes, you got a once-in-a-generational talent in Zion Williamson, but they're just waiting for his contract to run out, and then they'll wind up having him go to the Lakers or something. Because guess what? That's the way the NBA works. If you don't believe me, look at Anthony Davis. Look at Chris Paul, Baron Davis. The list goes on and on. The Pelicans are a good destination for younger guys, but there's a there's a ceiling in my mind. 
There is a ceiling. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. Back after this with one more take before we send you off to LSU. Take it on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Next. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. My final hot take of the day involves something that happened last week. That is UFC 257. Dustin Poirier is the uncrowned champion of the UFC lightweight division and deserves to be the true champion. But, of course, that's all because Habib Nurmagomedov probably is not going to come back out of retirement. There shouldn't be a four-man tournament. Like I've heard some rumors, I think we should be seeing the new head of the table in the lightweight division be the diamond that is Dustin Poirier. Stands head and shoulders above the rest. I don't see it happening with the UFC's mind. Because, mind you, I'm a different cat, and I definitely want to see Dustin the Diamond Poirier and the Good Fight Foundation because he's one of the few good guys in this business. I got a root for a winner and a good guy. So give me Dustin Poirier. He should be the lightweight champion right now, but the UFC isn't going to give it to him because I feel like the UFC is going to try and play some kind of card, and it's not going to be a great one. But hopefully you enjoyed the show today. Be back with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Lead me up to... A great weekend with Super Bowl Sunday, 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 and then LSU versus Florida on Saturday, 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 Saturday. Peace out. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's on. Oh, yeah. Kick it.